y'all. Welcome to What's Up Deck, the chillest tarot podcast with the punniest name. I'm your host, Liana Marie. Let's see what's going on in the tarotverse today. Well, hello there. Welcome to another episode of What's Up Deck. So I took a break last week, as was necessary, and today I'm excited to talk a little bit about part of what I've been up to and part of why I listened to myself when I knew that that break was necessary, and that is the topic of today's little episode, talking about my experiments in lunar living. So if you've been listening to some of my recent episodes, you've probably noticed or heard me reference The Moon Book by Sarah Faith Godestiner. I don't know, about 12,000 times. Well, here's another one. Um, and the main thing I've really been you know, working with this book and, and the idea of you know, working with the moon in general is I'm fascinated by the ideas of what it might look like to align yourself more with a lunar calendar as opposed to a solar calendar as opposed to the idea of the solar day um, that is so capitalist driven. And that comes from a lot of places. You know, this is not a new idea. <laughs> Cultures have done this for, I don't know, literally ever as far as we can tell, yep, especially up to a certain point when capitalism became the thing and colonization became the thing and those big sort of emperor style energies started hitting the scene with their solar time. But before that, Lots of the world, in fact, all or most of it, as far as we can tell, uh, had something to do with the moon and lunar living, right? Uh, we know the moon affects tides. We know the moon has so much to do with water. Human beings are so much percent water. There's plenty to suggest and show and all of those things, if you're looking for it, about the ways that we are potentially scientifically linked to the moon, the ways in which we are, you know, certainly culturally linked to the moon, the idea of, you know, crazy at a full moon, right, whatever that means. So the moon has always kind of been a large fixture for us, agriculturally, goodness, I mean, you, you start, you can't stop, you know, you look, you look to the moon and, you know, from ancient times to now, it has a huge effect on us. And so in trying to just kind of understand my own self a little bit better and you know being familiar with some of goddess Dina's work already I picked this book up as just kind of a an investigation of something I might want to try and it has quickly taken on a life of its own as does many of my personal projects and so what I kind of naturally wound up doing in this first lunation of the year is I wanted to give myself lots of time to observe. I'm in a hanged one year, as I've said before, and so really trying to slow down my own push through it, do the thing, get it done fast tendencies where I just want to learn the answer uh, and try and sit and observe. You know, the hanged one is a lot about that sort of energy, sitting back, observing, leaning into what might be difficult or uncomfortable to see what is gained. And so for the whole first cycle, I did what I call living on paper in a journal specifically for this lunation, or, you know, the one that just finished, so it was for 30 days, give or take, and I went through a whole little journal in that 
30 days. And I don't think that that is going to be for me, you know, the size of the journal, how I write, how I do this exercise. I, it doesn't feel like something I have to do, like, oh, it's like a to-do list item. It, it feels like a natural result of me actually getting in tune with my natural ebbs and flows and how that correlates with the moon. I took notes, like I said, did the living on paper experiment throughout the last lunation, and then I looked back over it just today, in fact, prepping for this episode, and just kind of took some notes. Took a, the last page in the journal and just turned it into a little four, you know, point little four box setup here, and had a spot for new moon, for waxing, for full, and then for waning into dark. And so I kind of looked at what types of things were in the paper? Was I doing more work things? Was I doing more creative things? Was I, you know, feeling a certain type of way? You know, how when did I start menstruating as I am someone who does that? You know, just all of it. Just looking at all of it. Looking at the information and seeing what comes for it. And what I noticed was overall, at least this time around, new moon energy um, you know, kind of started kind of low. But I did, over the course of this lunation, really stick to what I said I wanted to do, which was I wanted to set up some long-term success for myself as pertained to my space specifically. And through this lunation, I have completely set up my little studio room where I do my dance, my tarot, my writing, my, my everything, right? My little everything room. And it's quite a beautiful space and I really enjoy being in it. And this is where I'm recording this right now. So I did get that done in the lunation, which is great. But again, it's not all about what we accomplish. So <laughs> it's also about what we notice. So though it felt a little like, I don't know if I'm actually going to get these things done. I don't know if this is the best use of my time. When I kind of set that as my intention for this, for this lunation, for this cycle, I knew that that was what I needed to do. And then over the course of the waxing moon, the tarot spread specifically in the moon book for the waxing moon really just like opened some things up for me. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is so great. And I started feeling kind of really big creative energy as I made more space for it. That was where I really did a lot of the like more labor intensive work of getting my space set. And then at the full moon, especially since it was full moon in Leo, I was hit with some big time creative energy. I just couldn't stop over the course of the full moon period, like the actual proper full moon. It was about 15 to 20 pages of the journal specifically. <laughs> I just got so much done. There were so many downloads, really great uh, mantras and messages and things I felt like I was receiving for myself um, at that time. And it was just great. It felt great. I will be interested to see what future full moons feel like when they're not in Leo because my moon is in Leo for my astro nerds in the house. So I don't know how much of that was just like the extra special dollop of, ooh, and it's in my sign. Let's get it or whatnot. But it was significant. And then the waning was definitely where, uh, you know, had a bit of a crash from such intense production over the course of the full moon, but also as we moved into kind of like the dark moon right before the new moon, I started to feel that that kind of call back to do things again. It was like, oh, right, there are other things to do. It's not just rest. So now that I've finished one of what will be 13 journals this year, and I just love the, the little numbers and little synchronicities that are popping up around this for me. So as I said, I'm, I'm in a hanged one year. And at the beginning of the year, I did a year in preview Celtic cross for myself, just kind of what I call it, to see what we might be working on this year, see what we might be digging into. And the card I pulled for outcome, 
quite literal, I've talked about this on this podcast, was death, 13, right? And that's the year that I'm moving into after this one. So literally over the course of this year, what I should be doing is getting myself prepped for that next thing, right? 13. And so for me, it just kind of feels really nice to, in my hanged one year, complete 13 of these journals to, you know, truly get ready for that 13 death year. That's, it's going to feel pretty good. So a couple of other things I've noticed as I've been running these experiments for myself is I'm noticing what my intuition feels like in different moments, in different moments of the cycle, but also just given what I'm experiencing, right? Intuition is so personal and gut instinct and knowing when to follow it and when you need to sit on something and when we have to let the real world in, right? (laughs) Or when we have to completely shut the real world out. All of these things really clicked in certain ways. I had a few different moments where I experienced moments like, oh, that's what this feels like. I didn't have to be so worried. I didn't have to be so worried about doing it right and checking all the boxes. So for those of you who are listening or who know me in the real lives and the non-digital world, you would know that checking things off of lists and getting things done and having actionable items is very much the world in which I live. If I don't check things off a list, they don't get done. And so it is very uncomfortable for me to sit in this like liminal void space where who knows what's going on? Everything's happening all at once and simultaneously nothing, right? That that place that we have to be that is very dark moon is very challenging for me uh, because I often just want to push through, find the answer. And if I find the answer, then that makes all of the rest of it somehow fine. <laughs> Uh, And one of these such moments where I realized that that doesn't have to be so much my focus, that that doesn't have to be what I'm obsessing over in this this kind of a healthy way, was around in bulk, which I have no idea if I'm saying that correctly, because as I said, I'm I'm, I'm learning and crafting and researching what could and should be parts of my own personal practice. And so from my very surface-level understanding... This is a pagan holiday that refers to Brigid. Brigid is the Celtic, I'm reading here from my little research here. Uh, she is a pagan goddess and was woven into the Christian church because she was so well-loved as St. Bridget. Um, but you know, Brigid or Bridget, Bride, Brigid, lots of ways to say her name. But Imbolc is a holiday festival, ritual, all about new life, about, you know, that, like, the first moment of just showing that there is life returning to the world, right? So it takes place February 1st or 2nd, around that time, and there's lots of different things you can do to work with Bridget or, you know, make offerings to her at this time, and um, it was one of those situations where I didn't even know that this was, like, a thing that was happening this day. Like, I had heard of Inbulk, and I was aware of it, and I think Bridget is pretty cool. I've done some small research around her, you know, a couple of times when this time of year comes around, but she's not ever someone that I've really connected to, because I don't believe, at least right now, I need to look into this a little bit more for myself, but I don't think I have too much specifically Celtic in my line or lineage. My family is more from the, like, Netherlands area, and then the Americas, and then Dominican Republic, and all the many places that those people came from, and previous. So she's not someone that I know a whole, whole lot about, but even just being connected to my intuition and listening to the things that I might feel like I want to do on both those days, I've just, I don't know what it was. It just felt like 
I wanted to be writing poetry and I wanted to be making pretty things in, in a way that I wasn't normally and more further than that like I always want to make write poetry I was trying to make pretty things but the thing that I got up to do twice like two successive nights that I do not normally do is I made cake I'm like why do I want to make cake I mean cake is delicious I always want to eat cake but why do I want to like go through the effort of even like just making a microwave cake? Now I was in some some depressions doldrums, I was in some anxiety feels. So for friends who understand this headspace, um, you probably understand how strange it was for me to want to do things <laughs> in this time and space. I was like, why is it like that sounds delicious? But like if someone gave me a piece of cake, I would not say no. But do I actually have like the energy to make this right now? This small little microwave vanilla cake with funfetti sprinkles? And you bet your sweet ass I did. And I did it twice. And it was delicious. Um, it was so great. And then when I wound up, you know, on the internet scrolling, as one does in the quarantine, uh, I looked and so I was like, oh, apparently yesterday was in bulk. Or the candlemas. You know, lots of different names for it. And started researching. I was like, oh, apparently making cakes is something people used to do for Bridget. That was just like straight up part of it. It was like a whole bullet point with lots of recipes. And I was like, well, ah, yes. <laughs> so, you know, so I bring this up to be like, you know, when I first had that experience, I, I saw, you know, like, oh, in bulk happened. Like in my head, it was like, oh, no, you missed something. You did the wrong thing. You know, how dare you, beginning witchy friend, miss this thing that was, you know, potentially so important. And you get caught up in the shoulds and the have tos and the is this a and all of that, and instead, you know, I don't have to worry about that because the proof was I'm gonna say in the pudding, but I suppose the proof was in the microwave cake. <laughs> Sometimes you can just listen and tune in, and you'll find yourself in the appropriate alignments of where you need to be, or where you could be, without even needing to. So there's one last card, one last thing I want to talk about in my experiments with lunar living and getting ready for this next lunation. You know, we're going into a new moon in Aquarius. Um, in the next little bit here, today and tomorrow and into Friday. And yeah, I'm excited to keep repeating these experiments. And one thing that has been a more recent piece of this experiment has to do with a card I never get, which is why I want to talk about it, which is the King of Cups. So when you've been reading for yourself for a while, you know, having other people read for you and such, it can be really interesting to not just focus on the cards that come up for you, especially the ones that come up frequently, but also the cards that seem like strangers, you know, the cards that seem like infrequent friends. And just ask the question, like, why, why, why don't these, you know, not in a judgment way, not in a bad way, just in a, like, I'm curious, why might these things not be coming up for me at this moment? And as part of the waning spread in the moon book, Goddess Diener has, you know, you or the person, whoever's reading for yourself um, or for someone else, select a card, you know, the person occupying Quarant here, they select a card that they feel drawn to that they don't really know why, but they just like kind of are into it and like don't know why it's just like this permission to f intuition it was permission for intuition to you know feel drawn to something and be like i don't really know why this needs to be here but i feel like it might so we're gonna put it here and for me the king of cups came up there in a very fortuitous way 
as I've mentioned, that thought experiment of liminal space, of there not being a right answer, of just picking something just because. It's very hard for me. I have to have a reason, and that reason has to be good. And more than that, people have to like my reason. Mm, yes, people must like my reason. Otherwise, it's not good, right? So I was kind of, I was having one of those days where I was reading for myself and I was just like getting caught up in doing it right. You know, once you develop your own habits and ways of doing things, sometimes that can become a double-edged sword. You wind up getting in your own head and you can't step away and do what you need to do and access that, that headspace, even with all the ritual that you plan to get yourself into that headspace, right? <laughs> it can become that self-fulfilling prophecy. So I was having one of those days and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to do it for myself anyways. It's a new spread. We'll just use it as information. I'll do it again at the next illumination. If it's not perfect, it's fine. And if I don't feel like I get a whole lot of information from it, it's okay. You're allowed to like not get something mystical, magical, and huge from every single terror spread you ever do. Like, that's literally fine. Sometimes you're learning. And as part of that, when I got to that card that you were supposed to, like, select for that reason, I thought that you were already at the part where you were, like, shuffling and drawing. And I was like, I did it wrong. Because I pulled the card and I pulled the King of Cups. But then I looked at it. I was like, okay, but I never get this card. I never get this card. And here it is just, like, showing up in this way. You know what? I'm going to keep it. And sure enough, in the next few days, over the course of it, I just kind of kept thinking about it and looking back to it and interrogating what the ideas of this card might mean for myself. And I found myself in many situations where King of Cups energy was exactly where I needed to be, what I needed to harness, what I needed to understand about myself and how it is, in fact, in many ways for me right now, like kind of this crux card, you know, accepting and being able to step into kind of my King of Cups self in some ways is very big for me right now. And so, yeah, that was that was just a really nice little extra treat that I did not necessarily expect or look for. It felt like a mistake, but again, sometimes you can just let yourself try it. Just permission, just permission to try it. You know, get out of your own way enough to let yourself feel silly. You know, I, I'll talk to friends about, you know, how for me coming at this type of work through you know, more magical side of things or, you know, calling something spell work as opposed to a journaling activity, you know, like why call it that? It's like, well, it, for me, it makes me do it. You know, I, I grew up as a kid who wanted to do all of these things for reals and was waiting for my Hogwarts letter, right? Like if you call it magic, then I'm going to do it. But then also maybe if you call it magic, it'll get to be magic, right? Maybe it's our own permission. I just think that's beautiful. So the poetry that I have for today is actually an activity that I do often for myself over the course of a year. And it's something that I brought up in my recent Card of the Year workshop that I ran. And it was great. We had a really great time. We, we, you know, we worked with our Cards of the Year, learned how to calculate them. Really took some time to sit with the ideas of them, meditate with it, and then also make some art, uh, art specifically as message around what we might need to do, turn our information to, all that good stuff. And that's what I'm talking about, about writing so much during the full moon. Now I can't find anything. Yes, so the activity comes from Tarot Maven 
Mary Kay Grimm. And it is her dialogue with the triumphs or the trumps or the major arcana activity. And so I do this with my card of the year often. I recommend doing it honestly as often as you can, at least once per lunation would be a good way to kind of check in on this, I think. And it really is a conversation activity. Uh, one of the great things about card of the year, in my opinion, is that it gives you time to really work with these archetypes over a long period of time, you know, really give yourself the opportunity to, um, it's a phrase I really enjoy, to carve like water, right? To really just like make and learn and understand in a slow way that pulls and brings it with you as you can, right? Not this like cram study way where you've got to learn everything right away. Just let yourself understand over time, you know, a relational way. It's, it's building a genuine relationship with this archetype in this card. And so what you do is you, you know, kind of put yourself in this headspace of the card. And then you have a conversation with yourself. You know, you can write with different pens. You can write it like a script. Um, so you, as yourself, ask the card questions, and then the card responds. And it can, you know, really treat it like you're getting to know a person, you know? Hey, card. So you're like, oh, hey, fool. That's a cool little knapsack you've got on your little magic wand. What's going on there? You know, like, you can just ask the question. Like, hey, fool, who are you? Hey, fool, what do you got to say, you know? I also encourage people to start with the smaller questions for, like, a first date. You don't always just start with, so can I kiss you, right? <laughs> you got to ease up on that. You got to you gotta feel it out. You got to see what it's like. And getting to know these cards, you know, over the course of a full year, you've got plenty of time to do that. You don't always have to make the first move so intense and be like, dear card, tell me everything right now, because it might, and you might not be ready for it. <laughs> or it may be like, mm, you're not ready for it. Let's stay in this other place, right? So letting yourself have a longer conversation with the cards can be great. And so uh, this is from some excerpts from some dialogue that I had with my card of the year, the Hanged One. Dear Hanged One, so I feel as though we are now comfortable acquaintances, and I would like to continue to be friends, to lean into your bit back strength, greater ease, for greater purpose. To be my friend is to let me be as I am, to challenge me, to show right from wrong, to prepare for the felling axe and the share of the scythe. So how does one prepare for death then, hanged one? Honesty, lived experience, pain, sweat, tears, radical honesty. Accountability, leaning into what is uncomfortable, yet attainable. Being present in pain gives us deeper knowledge of needs. So hang on, what do you need? I need sustenance. I need care during and after the stretch. I need to be in space, blessed out on the pain of it. There is intentional cringe. Point me where I must be to grow. Hanged one, what is above you? Greater judgment. And yet I am the tree, connected branch and root. We all stem from each other. Be the fruit on the branch, the budding sap. Be what and where you are, great oak and weeping willow leaves. Sit in nature, 
reflect and work with walnut tree. Embrace the root tangle of biodiversity. See what we can support in ourselves, in us, and for each other. Bear the fruit. You are the fruit. Thanks for joining me for another episode. If you have any tarot questions in the next couple episodes here, I'm going to be opening up the voice notes and the submissions via Anchor. And so if you are interested at all in submitting a question or suggesting a topic for something you'd like to learn or hear about, there will be information on how to do that coming at you. Thanks so much for being here. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of What's Up Deck. You can find me on Instagram at this piece of work. Or if, like me, you wish to avoid social media whenever possible, join me in my corner of the internet at lianamarie.squarespace.com. The best place to book me for tarot readings, writing workshops, and movement instruction. Bye!